Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Paddle Pod, your weekly podcast covering professional paddle presented by Hugo and Gons. We're on to episode 17. We're back from the summer holidays. And I think it's fair to say that we've probably got the most special episode in store. Isn't that right, Hugo? We do indeed. And obviously, welcome back, everyone. Gons and I are very happy to be back. To be honest, a few weeks without carrying out our weekly paddle pods and it's been way too long for me but yeah as Gons just mentioned this is the biggest episode yet because we have Nico joining us Nico great to have you here no it's great to be here guys thanks for having me perfect so maybe let's kick off with uh, a bit about about your background Nico and yeah it'd be great if you could give our listeners uh, an introduction about yourself before we fully kick off as we've got a lot of uh, interesting questions to go through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am the the lead English commentator, shall we say, for uh, World Paddle Tour uh, TV. So when I, odds are, if you turn on an English game of World Paddle Tour TV, that I'll be the one commentating on it. Um, but I am uh, I'm half Dutch and half Spanish, so I'm actually I'm not English or or from a, a native English speaking country. I I grew up in um, in Amsterdam um for the majority of my life went to study in the uk to um, to the uni of uh, gloucestershire did sports journalism there for uh for three years it was cut short a little bit because of covid um during my time i'm kind of speed running my whole career here uh during <laughs> my time there at uni i um i managed to get an internship at uh real madrid tv here in madrid um and a year and a half later, so half a year after uni finished for me, they um, they asked me to come over to Madrid and live here and work full time at Real Madrid TV. So that's what I did. I, I commentated on all of the all of the Real Madrid uh, first team games for uh, about a year there, which is a uh, huge fun. I am a Real Madrid fan as well. So that was obviously quite fun for me. And from there, I started doing World Paddle Tour. Um, I first got called up as a replacement for the usual commentator, uh, Alex Kirkland, who still does it, because uh, he was going to the to the Tokyo Olympics and uh, he asked me to cover for him while he was going to Tokyo. And uh, yeah, a couple months later, got a, got a call and uh, here I am now at the World Paddle Tour. So coming up on uh, two years full time. But if you count everything, it's been uh, two years and a little bit now since I first started commentating on world paddle tour so yeah and here we are now wow that's a pretty pretty special rise uh to to the world paddle tour and and then a very interesting path uh i guess my first question for that will be when did you actually start following paddle and was it previous to the to being introduced to the world paddle tour um i i i'll be honest i wasn't i didn't follow it a huge amount before actually starting to commentate on it obviously um i spent a lot of summers in spain uh to to see my family so so i was familiar with the sport and i played it before um but professionally i hadn't really followed it so ahead of my uh first couple of games there commentating i kind of dove in head first in the deep end and uh, i really liked it to be honest first time i i think the first tournament i commentated on was either malaga or valencia of 2021 and um, 
I did that with uh, Ceci Reiter, the former number one. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I obviously relied on her quite heavily to, to do most of the actual insights. And, and, and uh, obviously, she's, she's a legend of the game. She's been around Paddle for 25 or 30 years. So she, she knows her stuff. But I told her, obviously, especially at the start, listen, I'm quite new to, to World Paddle Tour. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on you for a bit here. But um, by now, obviously, I, I, I know my stuff now. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely we definitely hear you uh, when when we're watching the games, and yeah, you definitely know your stuff by now. But I can imagine, obviously, at the beginning, it must have been quite a handful to to get through. Yeah, yeah, and and um, that's also when when I got you know when I got on board full time, one of the first things I did really was was starting a a a, a database of just every player, every couple, every head to head matchups, how many titles, how many finals, ages. All that kind of thing, um, which has gotten out of out of hand a bit now because I've I've got a lot of Excel sheets now with uh, with stats on stats on stats, and obviously I have to update those as well. So it's um, a big job that. But I'm a I'm a big you know I'm quite a stats nerd. I I love hearing a, like a niche stat that probably isn't too you know you can't really do anything with it, but it's still interesting to to hear it anyway. And I do think that that having stats ready is quite important if you're a commentator because say um which happens quite often if you have say a, a physio timeout or a medical timeout a medical timeout can be up to 15 minutes um you got to fill that time and that's that's as a commentator when um you have to do your homework basically that's when you have to be ready and um be ready to improvise and having stats is very uh, important with that and stats can also i think add context you know it's say uh bellas playing against sanjo in a final uh someone relatively new you know a lot of fans are relatively new to paddle they might not know you know that these are two of the absolute giants of the sport and then i can say listen they've played each other so many times they they are both number ones for so many years etc so that's what i think is the the power of stats if you will yeah, I, I completely agree. I think both Gons and I very much love our stats as well. And I actually kind of thought about the fact that when there's a big medical timeout, you actually have to talk for pretty much 15 minutes straight. So that's a really good point. Um, I want to ask you whether you personally play much paddle at the moment. I do. I, well, I, I wouldn't say much. I do play. Um, I'm not very good, though. Um, <laughs> uh, Platonic-wise, we're talking about, you know, two and a half something like that but i i am i keep saying it but i actually do want to you know enroll in some classes and actually get good because obviously you know you, i am representing world paddle tour at the end of the day so <laughs> you, people assume you're good um so it might, might be actually time to actually start getting good as well because i'm not very good at the moment fair enough i mean you got both guns and i uh, yeah we play a lot of paddle and yeah. Again, I think it's just a matter of practicing and and probably getting a few lessons if if you haven't previously. Yeah. I I definitely need to enroll in a few. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if 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 I say I'm a two and a half, I don't know if you guys can say if you would beat me or if you would wipe the floor with me or if you're about my level. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's 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 hard to know because at the end of the day, people can lie on Platomic, say that they're really good and play tournaments, and then Platomic assigns you a level. I think I'm on like four and a half now, 
uh, four point five or something like that. But who knows? Maybe you're much better than the than the level you you say. <laughs> Well, I, I don't think so. I, I've got a long way, a long way to go. It's obviously because we have so many tournaments, it's hard to find gaps to play. Um, but now that we have, you know, a bit of a bit of downtime, um, this is probably not really got any excuses now. So I have to get out there and play, really. <laughs> nice. So uh, moving on, who are your favorite players? Uh, one male and one female. Um. Obviously, you know, I, I, I tend, I try not to be biased when I commentate, um, but there are, uh, ability aside, there are always a couple of players that are very uh, nice to watch. I always really like watching Coquineta play because he is just such a, he's, he's I mean, they call him like um, Mini Bella or Bella Light for a reason because Bella has made his whole career on hard work and just being technically so sound. And that's what Koki does as well. If you watch Koki, he never stops moving and he never stops um, talking to his partner and everything. And it, I, I think with him, and I think a lot of people agree with this, it's a matter of time before he gets to the top. I really like watching um, him play, apart from the obvious, you know, Coelho and Tapia, etc. Um, I think Koki um, would be my answer there. And in the women's side, I, um, I quite like... I've always quite liked watching uh, Tamara Ricardo as well. She's quite a a silky player, I think, very smart and uh, very cerebral. Um, I, I quite like it when someone beats you just by working angles and finding gaps and 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 plays like that. So I think Tamara Ricardo is, is one of the first ones that uh, comes to mind there. But also anytime the um, the the twins play Mappy and Macho. I think I think they're just especially now they've announced that they're going to retire at the end of the year. Um, anytime you can watch them is is great because you're watching you know you're watching living legends and and probably the two women that have completely revolutionized women's paddle. Um, so yeah, I, I always like watching them as well. Yeah, those are two very good choices. Also quite niche. I must say that I'm a massive fan of Coquinieta as well. I think in today's day and age where paddle has turned so physical and you have all these players that are like 190 uh, huge and yeah. basically abuse the the air games, having a player like Koki Nieto being up there and really competing with the best is so refreshing. And uh, technically wise, I think he's so sound. He doesn't really like he he might not have one shot that you're like. Wow, that's you know that's a, that's his trademark shot or something like that. But like the volleys, the defense, uh, yeah. the attack, like it's all a nine out of ten basically. So so yeah, it's a really really good choice. Yeah, and I don't yeah, I don't know if you if you have a, a favorite player, male or female. I don't know if we've set them already. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, personally, and to be fair, it's not just because of this season. But I've always said that as my favorite player. I genuinely thought that he was going to make the number one spot in the world last season when he played with Sanyo, and they were really close, to be honest. And obviously, he's reached new highs this year with with Cuello, and I personally think he's been the best, most informed player this mm -hmm. season in terms of even better than than Cuello leading that partnership. And in terms of the women's side, I'd actually probably go with Bea Antalif. Mm -hmm. I just I think she's outstanding. She's got an unbelievable smash, and I don't know. There's something just about her that's that's kind of special. Plays a few she's, cheeky drop shots. Yeah, yeah. she's a bit. Uh, she feels like a bit like Paquito to me on the men's side. Just like 
really has a like pizzazz that like captures the fans, captures the audience. Like everyone's going to be behind her, and you know when you're watching one of her matches, that it's just going to be really special and like an electrifying atmosphere. Yeah, Bear, Bear is definitely. Um, I, I I think it's fair to say Bear is the most spectacular player on the on the women's tour. And yeah, she does that. She does quite a lot of the Jadas and and Dormilonas apart from a smash that that are. I think for her, the one thing that perhaps she still obviously she still is so young despite her already being around for years uh the i think one thing maybe is that um her her shot selection and perhaps her patience is is one thing that that still has to come and that's something that uh paula jose maria has improved on so much in the last year and a half maybe that you know she was despite her stature she was she was a hard hitter always and now she her shot selection is so good and she she really has improved on that end and i think for bea if she wants to take that final step which is to become the number one i think that and i don't know how to teach uh, i don't know how you would train that or if that's psychology work or anything like that or if you guys have any ideas but i think that's the one thing for bea uh that's still lacking in her arsenal really that patience that 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 uh, that pausa as they say in spain yeah, I, I completely agree. I actually think Dabi has improved that a lot. I think he's yeah. always had the shots in his locker. And this exactly. season has just been shot selection has just been outstanding. And one other player that I think is lacking that to really push and become one of the best drive players on tour is Mike Yangwas. He's mm. so good. Just He's got every shot in his game pretty much. He's just lacking that little bit more patience and waiting for the right moment to try and win the point, I think. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's a trait of young players generally. You can say the same for for an Alex Arroyo or for Augsburger as well. Augsburger is probably that to the most extreme level because Augsburger, <laughs> if you watch him play, you know, even if you watch him play in quali, he and and if it's the slowest court in the world and it's it's humid, it's cold, he still tries to. He has one gear basically, and that's <laughs> that's something that 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 sets the good apart from the greats i think because uh yeah galan and lebron for example it's it's easy to watch them and think oh these guys are just you know smashing and 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 going very gung-ho and offensive but they are so clever and also so good defensively and that's obviously not the most spectacular part of the game and that's what's winning them championships and that's what what's made them the players that they are really agreed well i'd i'd like to ask you because I'm not aware whether you've interviewed any players personally, but if you have, who's been your favorite player to interview and, and why? Um, yeah, I've done quite a lot of courtside stuff. Um, you know, the the courtside interview stuff. I've done I've done plenty of that. Um, the first, I mean, I've I've uh, I have a, I I I always quite like talking to uh, Daniel Window, the Swedish player. I don't know if you've seen too much of him. Well, he's obviously not played too much on center court, but he is. Um, I think he's quite well spoken, and he's um, a very smart, a very clever guy. Uh, Sanyo as well. I think if you know, which obviously is is more uh, Nacho Palencia or Patricia or Diego or Soraya's job, but but um, if you know if how to push the right buttons with Sanyo in a question I think um he's a very good interview and he he always um he always is good for a bit of wisdom and on the women's side um I was quite like how analytical um Mark Tartera can be 
uh, obviously also a very clever player. I mean, she's a doctor and and uh, everything. So she's a, she's very. Whenever you talk to her, you can tell she's a very clever person. But yeah, I I quite I think uh, or uh, Marta would be and um, and Sanyo would probably be my favorite too. But then again, I haven't done too much of it um, since commentating is my main job after all. But I'd say those two probably of the ones I have done. Nice. Yeah, I mean Sanyo always delivers. He even delivers stats or kind of half stats when he's doing interviews. It's just amazing to to, to listen but, to him. He's he's just like that though. Like whenever you obviously you bump into players nonstop when you're at, at the tournaments, but he is just like that. He he is not he's not you know there's a couple of players who are very different on and off the court because they're very reserved and then obviously when you have the adrenaline flowing you become someone else but Sanyo is is exactly the same whether you catch him you know on the court after a three-hour match or at the hotel or at a restaurant or in the corridor he he is Sanyo is always Sanyo and um yeah he, he's I think he's uh he's a very very one-of-a-kind player I think once he you know he is getting he, he is in this in the fall of his career now um i think once he retires that would be a great miss for his sport in terms of his personality and who he is because he is really is he he is unique you know when you listen to the benches sometimes he he really gives his teammates a a real bollocking for lack of a better word sometimes but then again he can be self-critical as well and um yeah sanyo is just a great guy i mean me being dutch um I remember at the master final last year, obviously Holland had just gone out to Argentina in the world cup um, in, uh, in not the most, you know, in quite a controversial way. And I, I, I think I argued with Sanyo for a good 10 or 15 minutes, just about football, you know, this has nothing to do with paddle. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's special. He's a, he's a one of a kind. Yeah, and it gives me the impression as well that he like li- lives and breathes paddle twenty four seven. Absolutely, super incredibly dedicated and incredibly hardworking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's he's a quite an intense guy. Yeah, that's for sure. Nice. So moving on, we've another the next question we wanted to ask you as well is. Uh, maybe from your eyes, what you've been able to see and sort of hear around or even speak to. Who do you think is the most liked player on the tour? And if you dare to say, who do you think is the least liked? <laughs> I'm not well. Least liked is probably something you have to ask the the the, the players rather than uh, than me. I I I you know I don't I don't hate anyone or anything. Obviously, you like some people more than others, but I don't think there's any players that I actively dislike. Um, in terms of liking, did you say for me or for among amongst yeah. players? what you can see amongst players uh, i think amongst players um miguel amperti is definitely i'd say probably the most university like because obviously you know he is a bit of a a bit of a class clown and he's he's always he just like sanyo he is always like that you know he's always trying to goof around and um um i think he would be a good answer i bear gonzalez as well is very very liked by all the male and female players she because she's also a very down-to-earth um person and maybe uh her partner delphi brea as well i mean the, the you know you often see them hanging around in in big groups and um yeah but 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 i think they because i, I think those three are probably 
probably uh, in, amongst those guys, as well as now I think of it, Chingot and Dineno, the both of them. They are liked by everyone because for all <laughs> they are so uh, genuine. So, so um, I'm, I'm guessing uh, they're all going to be invited to your wedding then. <laughs> I don't know if they'd accept the invitation, but yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> that would be a hell of a wedding. <laughs> I I want to ask you, what's your favorite tournament you've been to? Um, it's hard for me not to say the Amsterdam Open, me being from Amsterdam. Um, but I think there is a case to be made for because it was the first time ever that a, a the world, world Paddle Tour was in Holland. Um, and they sold it out every day. So on Wednesday it was a full house, Thursday, Friday, which is not normal. The atmosphere was absolutely electric there. Um, that might have something, uh, you know, they did allow people to bring their own drinks in. So that, so that <laughs> may or may not have had something to do with it. Uh, but the atmosphere was genuinely incredible there. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to it again. And not just because it's my hometown. Uh, apart from that, uh, Buenos Aires, same thing. Just this, the the, um, the Argentinians, the, the they are so passionate about sport. They're the it. Yeah, I I, I remember that um, that wild card game that Libak and Augsburger won against Javi Ruiz and Pablo Lijo. And yeah, it, I mean the roof came off of of uh, off of that building. It was it was that was spectacular. Um, the Argentinians, I'd I'd definitely put up there. And apart from that, only other one that comes to mind is uh, is well any master final, but especially uh, last year's master final in Barcelona. We had twelve thousand people there. We were commentating it on site. Uh, we were like above above the courts, and um, yeah, goosebumps. Especially that that you know that Dineno Chingoto run that they had during that. <laughs> That was that was special stuff. Yeah, I'd say I say those three, and if I had to pick one of those three, I'd go for Amsterdam because I'm biased. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes total sense. Everyone speaks about the Argentina, you know, the Open in Buenos Aires, which makes total sense. And I guess a Master Final is particularly special. So yeah, it makes total sense. No surprises for me. Yeah, it's 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 difficult to describe it if you haven't seen it or you haven't been there just how much how much they care about it and um there was a guy there who i think we put it on our social media there's a guy there who who had like almost every player's ta uh, autograph tattooed on his back so his whole back was full of was full wow. of tattoos of of you know basically every half decent argentinian player ever uh, <laughs> crazy it's crazy like every they were you know the the physio was being asked for photographs uh the you know the, the things like that it, they really go the extra mile there in terms of fandom they they go they go ballistic it's 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 one of a kind and argentina should always be part of of um of any calendar i think because because of that yeah indeed and not only in paddle obviously in football as well they've got added yeah. fans uh so the next question we wanted to go to is who's the player that has surprised you the most live in terms of playing and on court? Um, in when I've seen them in person, I mean, any player really. When when you go to when you go to a World Paddle Tour game in person, just like with any sport, really, the the first thing that catches your eyes just how much. 
quicker it is. It's so if you're especially when you're sitting courtside uh, to do the interviews, uh, like I've done a bunch of times now, you 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 realize how fast paced it is. And I think someone like um, someone like Galan, especially, you notice how, you know, he's, he's such a good volleyer. He's probably the best volleyer on tour. And you notice how, you know, how sharp every shot of his is, like every forehand, backhand volley uh it 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 almost grazes the net every one of them they're so such low and true shots and the the pace on the ball as well um and obviously that's that's always the difference between you know when you go up a step from the top 100 to top 50 to top 10 it's just that the intensity goes up and i think galan um for better and for worse is probably one of the most intense players and also in terms of his technique because yeah he he, he he is probably the the one that really caught my eye in terms of how um, how fast he plays when he plays. That's that's really interesting. I'd never thought of it, but he is pretty much like perfect paddle player. If you've designed a paddle player's ground strokes and volleys, it's just like textbook stuff. So, yeah, yeah to totally agree. Um, I actually wanted to, to to move on and look for some stats now that you are. Uh, stat geek much like we yeah. are so i want to ask you if you have any idea how many viewers on average does the world paddle tour have in the uk per match in the uk it's it's um it's hard to say it's it's hard to say in general because um midway through 2022 we we used to have like um separate streams for english and spanish right and then uh halfway through last year we we basically put it in one stream and then within the stream you can choose your audio track basically but because of that we don't have uh separate stats coming in for who's listening to what um but i can tell you know these are all um live viewership stats so not so not people who go and watch afterwards which is a very high percentage but our tournaments usually this year get seen anywhere between one and a half or two million times live um so that's not counting um people who watch it on demand afterwards and um going off the stats from pre when they got fused together usually the english viewership was around 10 12 15 percent of uh of the spanish viewership so if if so if, if you take two million for example then maybe um 200 and a bit thousand are watching the english stream but then again i don't know if that's still true i'm just basing this off of um of the stats we have from last season and in uk specifically is is more hard to say because i only know the stats from world paddle tour tv which is our in-house service in the uk uh world paddle tour gets um broadcast on on bt which is tnt sports i think now um so yeah, I I don't know their numbers, but um, I am I I'm I imagine because of uh, how quickly the sport is growing there, even though they still have a long long way to go. I imagine it's um it's grown exponentially, just like everywhere else. But yeah, in general, the English viewership was something like 15 percent of uh, the Spanish viewership, which is is obviously quite a, a small percentage, but we'd like to think that that's going to grow over time. And obviously in absolute numbers, it's still quite a high, not high number. Yeah. And from, I mean, to be honest, sorry, you go go for it. no, no, go for it. 
no, all I was going to say is that they are still quite big numbers given the infancy of the sport in the UK. Until very recently, you only had about 150, 200 courts across the whole of the UK. No one really yeah. played the sport, so... No, I mean, it's it's uh, all of this stuff, especially outside of Spain and Argentina, you really have to put it into perspective of that um, English coverage didn't even exist, I think, until 2020. Um, and uh, we used to do only Saturdays and Sundays live and the rest and we and, and a recap video on Friday. That's it. So we used to do um, up until the end of last year, we only used to do six games live really and now we do 24 games or uh 30 games if it's a master so our coverage is literally gone up by 400 percent in the in the span of one year um so yeah it's still very much in its infancy and this is obviously something that that's only going to grow in in quite spectacular fashion now in uh in in the upcoming years but yeah like like we were saying it's in absolute numbers, it's still, you know, still a couple hundred thousand people, still quite a high number. Yeah. And that 200,000, the number you were quoting, is that per tournament or? Yeah, that's, that's across the whole tournament. Yeah. But that's, like I said, that's only um, live. live. So that's only people watch it live. Yeah. It depends per tournament, but. Um, you that know, is still pretty spectacular. Yeah, that's still a very high number, you know, and and obviously uh, we have our own app now uh, instead of doing it on YouTube like we used to do, um, which uh, by now we have quite a quite a lot of um, uh, users. I think we're coming up on, on 900,000 uh, subscribers on that platform. But uh, still, to take it away from YouTube and start your own platform is obviously, you know, a, a risk you're taking mm. because YouTube is so uh, readily available. Um Higher friction. Yeah, 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 exactly. But but you know, we're still very proud of it. And this is a number that's only going to go up because as we all know, this is this is, you know, just like your viewership is probably gonna go up exponentially as well in this year and, and across next year. Well, we hope so, at least. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> but uh yeah, maybe it's somewhat related to this. I don't know if you'll be able to tell us, but are there any surprising countries that are English speaking or let's just say non-Spanish speaking countries that, you know, there are some, there's some viewership uh, that perhaps uh, has surprised you? Um, well, ever since we did the Miami open last year in the U S um, that had a big viewership then in the U S and um, obviously not as much now, but there is quite a significant number coming from the US and I know <laughs> I know that's not entirely uh true because I know a lot of people in Spain get a VPN in the US and then <laughs> so they can watch it live um um but still the US is is still a um it's not big there but it's bigger than I thought there and apart from that, I mean, it, it's the it's the usual suspects, really. Apart from Spain, uh, Sweden is the biggest one. Then Italy, um, Belgium, and the Netherlands both are both some of the biggest uh, non non Spanish speaking countries as well. So um, surprises, I don't really know. Maybe the U.S., but yeah. Then then again, we don't know how much of that is actually U.S. people and how much is just Spaniards trying to find a workaround. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, the, the US is quite surprising. I know there's other 
kind of fast growing sports growing there like pickleball for example which is going through the roof and i'm sure yeah. it's still not at that level but it's great to see because at the end of the day any sports that that's big in the u.s is going to attract a lot of money as, as either of you ever played pickleball i i, I think to play it is quite fun but it as a, on tv it, i just i just can't watch it it looks, <laughs> it looks so weird on tv i've never played i've never played i, I didn't want to try it but given given how much time i invest into paddle and, and well football's kind of my other big sport i think my girlfriend yeah. probably kill me <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um to be honest the, the last key question that i definitely want to ask before we log off obviously we've been hit by some huge news this week it's been confirmed that premier paddle are acquiring world paddle tour and from next season onwards we're having a unified circuit under the name of premier paddle what, what are your thoughts on this development do you think it's going to be good positive for paddle i think it's way it's too early to say i think um the um, the acquisition's not even even uh fully gone through yet and we don't know exactly what is being acquired and who is going to exactly do what so in the upcoming weeks i think there should be more um more clarity on that one there was a, a an interview as well today today being uh sunday the 27th when we we're recording um there's an interview published with the world power president uh, ramon Ajenjo, and he said as well that you know we're still we're still doing the due diligence part of all of this um but uh dam so the current owners of world paddle tour they want to keep they want to stay in paddle they want to keep uh keep um at it but yeah i mean i don't know i don't know how it's it's definitely a i think overall probably a positive step for these two to to fuse and to link forces because obviously from both world paddle tour has a quite a lot of know-how obviously and experience and infrastructure and all that and um yeah qsi bring their own their own strengths um but yeah i mean for me you know as as i think this this gets lost a lot in all of this but um there you know well pals there's a lot of employees it's it's uh it's, it's quite a lot of people work there full time um including myself so uh i i just hope everyone it, it just turns out okay for everyone and everyone lands on their feet um, which I'm sure will happen, but that that's that's really the uh, the main concern for me in all of this. But yeah, uh, it's I think it's too early to call what what and how and who, but um, it should be it should be a positive overall, obviously, because these you know the two biggest tours are fusing together. So you know one plus one should be two, or or maybe it should be even more than some of its parts. But yeah, the um, I just hope that everyone all my colleagues and all my friends I've made at work over the last couple of years that everyone's going to be okay, which is a bit soppy perhaps and a bit of um, a sad note to end on maybe, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I feel about it. No, I, I mean, I totally agree. At the end of the day, world paddle tours take a professional paddle to where it is today. That hasn't been premier paddle. So it's really important to not lose the people that make up yeah, the world I mean, paddle tour. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's only been, you look at a tournament from 2013 and, you know, how it looks and how many people are there and where it's being played. And if you compare that to, you know, the Palau San Jordi last year, we have 12,000 people there. We've got Robert Lewandowski in the stands. We have Zidane in the stands earlier. It, it's, I mean, World Paddle Tour has 
has to take a lot of credit for where paddle is now and that's definitely something that cannot be forgotten and that's that's all because of because of you know some of the people i know behind the scenes because they well paddle is basically their life same goes for me really um but uh yeah that's all credit to them and i hope that they get um i hope they all get their flowers for sure. I mean, credit to them and credit to you as well, because everyone involved in the World Paddle Tour has done an absolutely fantastic job over the years to grow the sport to where it has grown to and the outlook of it. Uh, it's as simple as that. It's the fastest growing sport in the world for many years now. And uh, it's so attractive, uh, both from like a professional perspective, lots of countries taking it up just to play as well. So really, it's just, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, hopefully everything gets sorted out and every, whatever it's done is for the good of everyone involved, the players, the fans, the, obviously all the people working behind the scenes to, to making this sport come to life. So, so yeah, I think you couldn't have put it uh, better in, in a better way, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, let's see what happens. Let's see where we are at this point next year um and then we can really judge it you know we can do a follow-up pod on this and uh see where we are then exactly we'll count you in on that one <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest unfortunately i think it might be time to say goodbye right Gons? yeah very much indeed uh nico it's been honestly an absolute pleasure to have you here i think you've you've uh, given us some some really good insights into how it is being a commentator, really all the players as well, which for Hugh and I, there are such fans is, is great to hear. And obviously you're welcome anytime. Thank you so, so much. Absolutely guys. No, pleasure's all mine. I hope to, hope to do it again. Thank you very much, Nico. All the best. And yeah, have a great week guys. Cheers. Bye.